When the Bible says God is love, does that mean we should just accept all religions? Almost half of mainline Protestant churches now accept homosexual marriage. And the new gay Marvel character is to have a kiss scene on the next Eternals. Stay with us as you look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Now there are two kinds of people in the world, only two kinds, not black and white, not rich and poor. There are those who are dead in sin and there are those who are dead to sin. After three nights of unbridled lawlessness across London, the contagion is spreading. The problem is that God has already judged this. He has judged murder already. I don't need to question it. I don't need to ask and wonder what his plan is. We're commanded as Christians not to participate in the works of darkness, but expose them. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we have a number of topics that last time I talked about, not last time I talked about, but last time we put in the title of our show, it got me banned from Facebook for 72 hours. So let's hope that this time we can have this discussion without getting me banned from Facebook. But hopefully, if I am banned, you guys can still help share the feed. And we're going to be talking about very important topics. Okay, things that are in the church, things that are outside of the church. And it's really also important, guys, for us to have a good understanding of Scripture concerning any issue we discuss. And I was recently having a number of people over for a Bible study. And after the Bible study was over, I got a couple text messages. And I had a few questions regarding liberal theology, okay? And for you guys who deal with younger believers, this is something that is so popular. Um, I see it as seeping into the church via a lot of hipster pastors, okay, that want to kind of toe the line on social justice stuff, okay? And instead of simply preaching the gospel and standing out against that which is wicked and being able to show you what is holy and profane, I think it is this toed line and this walking in the gray and this not being able to call out sin for what it is that allows so many young people who are tr- are maybe going to a church, maybe they grew up in the church, to get a wibbly-wobbly, flimsy version of, of Christianity. And this is something that has been really, really common. And one pastor that I've seen this from is Pastor Carl Lentz of Hillsong, New York. Um, if you guys remember, I think I've done an episode, one of my first episodes of 511 News, uh, and it was regarding Carl Lentz and some of his flippity-floppity-goobity theology and the fact that he would go on The View and go on Oprah and not be able to declare something like abortion as inherently wicked. Yes, this dismembering of little babies in the womb, it is wicked, it is disgusting, and according to Proverbs 6, it's something that God abhors, he hates, it's an abomination. And we need to stand, be able to stand out against that and not just, as he would say, have a, quote, conversation with the person. Okay. One of the things is, is that if we are not able to give those public declarations and we say that this is something that Jesus would actually prefer that we only talk about in private, we would have to condemn the actions of someone like John the Baptist who called out Herod for his sexual immorality. 
okay, and say, well, he was dealing with politics and that's really bad. No, guys, we need to be able to stand up and say what is right, what is holy, and what is profane, okay? And so when this is the gobbledygook that is handed down to people, what happens is young people don't understand what their standard is, and that is the word of God. They don't understand where they're supposed to stand in this political climate, okay? Because we need to be able to have our feet firmly planted on the word of God and saying, God, what do you have to say? I don't care what other people say. I don't care what society tells me. The only thing I care about is what your word says, okay? And guys, this doesn't mean that we are unloving because we call out sin for what it is, whether it's in the church or outside of the church, whether it is judging those inside the church and being a loving brother in Christ who goes up to someone and says, hey, that's sin in a loving way. Always speak with grace as though season was salt, but in a loving way, be able to say and point out, hey, these things are wicked. These things will keep you from the kingdom of God. One thing we've been going through We've been doing um, eschatology teaching at our Bible study on Monday nights with a uh, kind of a, a college group of young guys. And one of the things we've been talking about is over and over again, and we were doing soteriology before that, the doctrine of salvation, how someone's saved. Now we're dealing with end times with eschaton or eschatology. And one of the things we were talking about is whenever you see God and his word be so clear. Don't be deceived. <laughs> hey, mark this. Don't be deceived. Over and over again, you could just circle it and say, there's going to be those that say they're inside of the church that are going to be deceived on this issue. And it's going to be very, very common. And I believe that's why God says, pay attention. Okay? There's people that are going to be deceived on this. And I had a question asked to me last night regarding liberal theology. Okay? And I guess there was a, a recent article written by the New York, a New York Times woman who said that she is a Christian and she is the most liberal of Christians. And I basically explained, a liberal Christian is not a Christian. A liberal who believes that babies in the womb can be discarded, dismembered, and thrown in a trash bucket, that's not somebody who has the heart of Christ inside of them. Somebody who could take a verse that we find in 1 John 4, Verse 16, that says God is love and take it so out of the context that you have butchered it and made it look nothing like what the original intent of the author was, that person is not a consistent believer in Jesus Christ. I would argue they are the same people that Jesus would say, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Do not be deceived. Those who practice wickedness are not part of the children of God. And in fact, you and I are given the commandment in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we are given the commandment that if somebody practices wickedness, that we aren't to eat with them. We do not give them off the understanding or the idea that they may be a brother in Christ. We want them to know that they need to repent. Okay? I was recently reading a response uh, that was sent to me um, regarding just preaching the gospel and and uh, an event we were supposed to do somewhere and uh, we were not invited uh, and one of the big reasons was that we need to woo the church when it comes to bringing them to repentance that the church needs to be wooed and I'm gonna be honest with you when I hear those kind of words okay when it comes to the church to me 
that is so similar to the Vatican for me. It's so similar to that idea of, well, I'm the pastor and I'm really smart and I went to school and these these peons are just a little too dumb to understand really deep theology, so I don't want to dig it too much into them. Okay, do you know what Paul would say to a group of, I don't know, the Corinthians who are coming from a radically pagan culture and they're used to radical pagan debauchery? Do you know what he would say to that church when they were accepting of wickedness and joyfully doing so? He would say, remove that man from your midst, get him out of there. He, there's a little leaven. It will raise the loaf. It will ruin your body. And I'm going to turn him over to Satan. I don't know if that is the wooing that this pastor had in mind, but sometimes guys, when it comes to sin, if we don't take it seriously, Satan will, because we know God has. And Satan will seep it into your church. He will seep it into your family. He will seep it into your life, and it will radically have an effect on you. And I will tell you this, guys, when we are whimsical, when we are weak on sin, we are weak on the Savior. When we don't recognize the payment that was done on the cross by Jesus Christ himself, then guess what? I am weakening. I'm weakening that sin. I'm acting like it's not a big deal. It's just preference. And liberal Christianity, I am sorry, it is not Christianity. The word Christian is only used three times in Scripture, and all of it has to do with people calling someone else a Christian. It's because of your actions. It's because the way that you act, you cannot help but know that that person is a follower of Christ. They are one with Christ. They are with Christ. They are followers of the way. They are Christian, okay? And all of them have to do with suffering persecution or being called the name a Christian and bearing it and glorifying God with that name, okay? And one of the things is, is we need to come back to the exclusivity of Christ. The text in 1 Corinthians 4, which I'm going to read from, that says God is love, does not mean that you get to throw that on a gay flag and say, oh, God is love. The statement God is love does not mean you get to throw that at every cult and every false religious system that sends people to hell and say, well, God is love. We accept all. That's not at all what that verse says. In fact, for anyone who has ever read 1 John, it's a laughable offense. It is a laughable offense, okay? Because if you read 1 John, you have probably, I would say, in all of the New Testament, the distinctives between a believer and non-believer so clearly taught in Scripture cannot be found anywhere more clear than in 1 John. So when you understand the letter, when you understand well, who the author is and how he starts it out in the very first chapter and going forward, before you ever get to God is love in 1 John 4, we know the exclusivity of Christ is at hand in every one of the statements. But since we're here, I have to read this, okay? Because I was just asked it and I thought, wow, that is funny how that term is used. And I'm going to read it for you. Verse 16. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. 
believed the love which God has for for us. God is love. Well, we can stop there and we're done. No, that's not how God writes his word. That's not how he explains it. And the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. What is the overall context of abiding in the love of God? The verse before is very clear. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. That is verse 15, guys. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. The very next verse is where we read that God is love. Guys, this entire book is a book of exclusivity. In fact, in 1 John 2, verse 19, we read... They went out from us because they were never of us. Okay? Now, the context of that verse doesn't mean that every single person who leaves a church was never really of you. The context of that verse were that heretic Gnostics who denied that Jesus had come in the flesh came in there and literally John calls them antichrists. Okay? They came in there and they were trying to usurp, I believe, and they were trying to teach false doctrine to the congregation, but yet they were removed. They were taken out. They left and they went out because they were never of them. Okay. It becomes very clear. And then first John chapter three, the chapter right before the statement, God is love says this, starting at verse four. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. You don't know Jesus if you're abiding in sin and you're living in it. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, the very picture of love, the very representation of what love is, is the person of Jesus Christ, and this is what he says, the Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him, and he cannot practice sin because he is born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. God is love and exclusively, exclusively, you have to know Jesus. In fact, He even warns, and this is why I'm bringing it up for the liberal Christian who wants to use this verse. This is the same author who says, this is the message. If you want to get, oh, well, maybe Jesus didn't say that. Here's the message that John the Apostle, the disciple whom Jesus loved, this is what he says his message is. In the very first chapter of this, starting at verse 5, this is the message which we heard from him, Jesus, and announced to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Here we go. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So yes, there are those, liberal Christians, I'm calling you out on this, 
who say they have Jesus, but they have no part of him. Jesus was very clear in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. It's a statement of exclusivity. In John 10, very clearly, we are warned about somebody trying to come another way. Specifically, you can go look at John 10, 1 through 10. If someone tries to come in some other way, they're a thief and a robber. Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the only door. He is the only way. So if someone tried to come in some other way, they're a thief and a robber. They have no part of Jesus. So what's sad is the liberal Christian would not only tell someone, it really doesn't matter what you believe, we're all just accepted because God is love. The fact is that that statement, God is love, comes with a statement of exclusivity that Jesus is the only way. And First John literally leaves. His write-off in First John is, dear children, keep yourselves from idols. That is the last words of first John. It's an abrupt ending. Okay. Keep yourself from idols. All right. It's very, very clear. And what happens in liberal Christianity is that that's exactly what it is. Liberal Christianity is idolatry. It is not biblical. It's not trusting in Jesus. It is idolatry. The only difference in liberal Christianity from Hinduism, the biggest difference is that the Hindus have a million gods. In liberal Christianity, the God that they serve is the one in the mirror. They mold a God that has the same convictions and likes and feelings that they have. Instead of going and being consistent what God's word says, they make a God in their own image and then they worship it. And they say, well, that's my truth. Well, guess what? Truth doesn't have an opinion. Truth is not an opinion. Truth is only found in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said he is the truth. And he said, guess what? Sanctify them. So the sanctifying process that Jesus does in our lives, where we become more and more like him, where we become more and more like our savior, sanctify them in thy truth. Thy word is truth. And that is from his high priestly prayer before he was about to be taken in John 17. So we are supposed to be sanctified. We are supposed to grow like him. And we grow more and more like him as we are sanctified through his word. And the reason why I wanted to speak at length to that description is because this study that came out covering over a thousand pastors found that 47% of mainline Protestant, that means protesting against Rome, that means not Catholic, mainline Protestant pastors say, quote, they see nothing wrong with two people of the same gender getting married. Guys, that is almost half. That is almost half. One good thing, though, it says this, Oh, sorry. This isn't the good part. It says that's an increase from 2010 of 32%, guys, a 32% increase of bending to the culture, okay, of allowing yourself to be squeezed into the mold of the world, okay, precisely the opposite of Romans 12 too. Among evangelical pastors, though, only 8% support same-sex marriage, the exact same percentage in 2010. So apparently with evangelical pastors, 
they're it looks like they're not moving towards that line. When combining the two groups, 24% of Protestant pastors back same-sex marriage, according to the survey. More than four years after the Supreme Court legalized same-sex marriage in all 50 states, most Protestant pastors still see a moral problem, said Scott McConnell, executive director of Lifeway Research, who did the study. Presbyterian or Reformed pastors, 49%, are the most likely to support same-sex marriage, followed by Methodist, 47%, Lutheran, 35%, and Christian or Church of Christ, 20%, 20%, Baptists only 3%, and Pentecostal pastors only 1% are the least likely to support same-sex marriage. Now, some of those things are good. Some of them are absolutely horrible. You know, with all my differences theologically, and there are quite a few of them with John Calvin, I can't imagine when the Presbyterian Church started that they would expect 50% of the people in there to eventually be so accepting of homosexuality. And I know most of this is going to be from the PC USA and not just the Presbyterian Church, but, and, and and I'll tell you this, my wife and I, when we were going to get married, we were trying to find a bigger church uh, because our church really couldn't house it because most of the people here that attend the fellowship, considering Joe is the pastor, wanted to obviously be invited. So we wanted to make sure they were able to be there. Um, and then I would have all my friends and I wanted to make sure the gospel was presented to all my non-safe friends that I have from my years in the world. And so we were like, let's find a really cool church to do it at, you know, because that's the only thing that was really cost feasible. You start getting to these outdoor weddings. It's like, it's crazy out there, you know, but we wanted it to be a gospel presentation, um, you know, and I have no problem with wedding feasts. Jesus didn't either. Uh, go look at Cana, John chapter two, but nonetheless, um, not being giving you an apologetic for why you have to have a wedding, but um, I do like them and I have, well, I like my own, I, as a, as a, now I guess sitting in the sun in a suit sometimes not too fond of it but I love when people get married it's a it's a blessing but nonetheless we went to church after church throughout Pasadena Hollywood all that area looking for a big an old big church and we went church hopping everywhere until the only one we found was Hollywood Presbyterian was the only one that in their doctrinal statement said we believe that marriage is between a man and a woman only and that they came out against gay marriage because most of those nice, beautiful churches, sadly, are whitewashed tombs. They are dead inside. There's nothing inside of there um, that is living because they have rainbow flags flying outside of their churches. And it's it's heartbreaking. It's 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 a blight on the church. And guys, I, I hope this is something that makes you pray for them. And I do believe that a lot of people are coming out of those movements. And there's a reason why just the evangelical churches are less accepting of this. Even the Pentecostal churches are less accepting of this nonsense. Uh, because in my mind, as soon as you start accepting anything within that that's outside of the scope of biblical Christianity, it's really a, an, a question of when will you just accept it all? When will anything society says you will just accept and you say, okay, all right, whatever you say, not I'm going to stand up for my faith. Guys, we have a faith. We have a Bible. We have Christians. Our entire walk with Christ, we recognize that the what the happened with the early church, and I was just discussing this, how disgusting some of these things are when I think about it. The allowing ourselves to to look like the world because we need to be accepted. When you think about 
the birth of the church, when you think about like the early church fathers Tertullian talking about the blood of the Christians being the seed, when you think about the early Christians who would, all they needed to say was Caesar is Yahweh. If they just succumbed and said, Caesar, you are Yahweh, then they and their children would not be murdered, but they wouldn't. They stood up for their faith regardless of the persecution. And notice that is what is commended in the book of Revelation to the churches, okay? The amount of tribulation that they took on, that is what's commended by Jesus, not their money. Ask Laodicea how, that, how that's going. It doesn't exist anymore. That church was gone, okay? It was spewed out of Christ's mouth as he promised it would be. We want to make sure we look nothing like the world and we do not succumb to what society is putting before us. And it's really interesting. I had found out that a show that uh, is involved with the show, The Flash, that they brought in, and this is DC, they brought in a gay character. Now, it was a, a character that was... It, you know, the, the wickedness that they do this, they do this, I believe, to gray the black and they take a character that's wicked and then sometimes he does good things and sometimes he's wicked and sometimes he does good things. And then next thing you know, we're going to throw it right on TV and then they're going to be making out. Okay. And they did that in the show, The Flash. And then I was looking today and the Christian News Network, and we're recording this on Tuesday because Tony's going out of town on us, so I'm a little early. You guys usually get the news right up to the date on uh, 511 News, but this one's going to be a little later. And on Christian News Network, um, they reported that the movie The Eternals is now going to have a gay character, and that gay character is now going to kiss. It says in the upcoming film, The Eternals, based on the fictional character depicted in Marvel Comics books, will include a homosexual character and his spouse who will kiss on screen. The actor who plays his partner has has revealed, I just shot a Marvel film with the first openly gay su superhero, The Eternals. I'm married to the gay superhero Fastos, played by Atlanta's Brian Tyree Henry, and we represent a gay family and we have a child, he told New Now Next. Guys, this is what is getting pushed and it's not something that's entirely new, but now they're really, they've basically just taken off any cloak that they had, okay? We have a, a video that I'd love for you guys to check out on our YouTube channel, and it's called The X-Men Movies and the Gay Agenda, okay? And that chronicles just how the X-Men movies have used this idea of being special all right, of the X-Men having these powers are really kind of like being gay. And there's coming out scenes. And guys, I'm telling you, you need to check it out. It's called the X-Men Movies and the Gay Agenda. And actually, we wrote a track. Okay, I wrote a track and we had a, a, a friend of ours did the artwork. Uh, was it Josh Binge? Jeremy Benj, I'm sorry, Josh Benj. Jeremy Benj did the artwork for me on that, and it looks really great. And you guys can check out the track. It's on goodfight.org. Um, but Joe had done an interview, and you can go to our website and find this as well. 
And in that interview, Joe says this, quote, openly gay X-Men director Brian Singer has not only directed most of the X-Men movies, but recruited openly gay activist actor Ian McKellen to star as Magneto by convincing him that mutants were comparable to struggling gays. McKellen stated, quote, I think he expected that I was going to consider it a not posh enough job, but revealed that, but once he was revealed that he was told that the X-Men is really about lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people, quote, I thought he was right. It's not just a fantasy story. It's a parable. McKellen is a founder of the LGBT gay activist group Stonewall. And that's exactly what he wanted. He wanted people to think that being gay is this special, mutant, you know, unaccepted, but it's a superpower. But guys, it, it, it's not. And I'll try to tell this story as quick as possible. The thing is, is that we want people to come to faith. We want people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And the fact is, is that whether homosexuality or fornication, these people are just delving into a lie. And I remember I was sharing the gospel on Third Street and the guy I was sharing the gospel with had a long cloak and he had a pentagram in the middle of his chest and... I was sharing the gospel with him and he had a lot of questions and he said, wow, I really want to thank you for answering that. But I have one last question. He said, what about homosexuality? And I looked and there was a couple walking by. I said, hey, I bet you they're not married and I bet you they're going to go home and probably fornicate. And he said, uh-huh. And I said, and they're in sin. I was like, homosexual, fornication. I was like, the Bible says when you sexually sin, you sit against your own body. I said, but the fact is, is that you're living a lie when you do these things. And then ultimately you don't have the intimacy that you have with Christ. And when you have that, it changes everything in your life. And the fact is that we all need to repent and put our trust in Jesus Christ alone, regardless of what sin and what vice we love to hold on to. And the guy was like, I just asked you that question because I'm gay. And he said, just, he's like, hey, I've never had someone answer it that way. I've only seen the signs and all these things. And he's like, I actually really respect you for, you know, your convictions and that you didn't do it in a mean way and that I can tell you actually love me. And I was like, wow. And that's where we need to be. We need to be able to speak strongly to these convictions, to what the Bible says, and know that let God be true, every man a liar, and put all of your faith and all of your trust in him. This has been Chad Davidson, and this is the 511 News.